Hello, James. Hello, Jack. It's tough now that I, uh, you know, I'm involved with many podcasts, as you guys might know. We've got the Just Hands, the OG of podcasts that you know, I'm aware of, at least. But we've also got Punted Off on the Software Y TV, soon to be, I think, on YouTube. Uh, stay tuned for announcements on that. And we've got Unbounded Conversations, if you want to learn a little bit about crypto. But if you're here, you probably don't care about that stuff. What you care about is poker action. And that's what we have for you today. So James, uh, we have a listener hand today. I don't know what the hand is. I'm going off of trust since I got this hand from a friend of mine, someone I actually met at Parks Casino where this hand took place. And I won't he and I actually played in a hand that was on the podcast at one point. Anyways, he's a, he's a strong player, and he sent me a great WSOP hand that kind of we never got to because of some WSOP main event fatigue around the time he sent the, sent the hand. And so I was really glad to have him uh, send this over for us to discuss. So I don't know what it is, but this guy... He's got good hands. I can tell you that much. So let's get into it. It's probably just uh, some set over set bad beat story. Just <laughs> built up the trust initially. And then <laughs> Honestly, we might, we might pull that main event hand out of the closet because it was really brutal. Part of the reason we didn't go to the show is because I was like, I don't want to fucking talk about this. It's just, yeah, it's too depressing. <laughs> so uh, maybe we'll pull that out in advance of this year's main event. I think that would actually be a good thing to do. So uh, this comes from Parks, High Stakes Tuesday. On Tuesdays, they always get a 10-10 game going, which is pretty awesome. And I think they probably only get that game off on the weekends otherwise, for the most part. So 10-10, we're eight-handed, and the $20 straddle is on. Straddler is a friendly businessman in his mid-50s and a weekly patron of the 10-10 game. Cutoff is a tight passive Russian in his early 30s who plays 2-5 and 10-10. Hijack is a loose or classic loose passive Philly guy in his late 40s who usually plays PLO. I've played with all of them at least five times. I'm in my late 30s and I'm drinking a beer. I expect to think I'm a pro even though I'm not. All right. Do we know if this straddles on the button or under the gun? We don't know. Okay. If, it, if the straddle's on, it's probably under the gun. Yeah. All right, here is 2700. Cutoff, who is uh, the tight passive Russian, has 1,500. Hijack is the clues, our classic loose passive Philly guy. He has 3K, and the Stradler is 2K. So Hero raises under the gun with black nines to $70. Cutoff calls, hijack calls, blinds fold, Stradler calls, $300 in the pot. So we're four ways. Four ways. Flop is Ace of Hearts, Ten of Spades, Queen of or sorry, Ace of Hearts, Ten of Spades, Eight of Spades. Any thoughts to see betting here? I think this board does. Um, I mean, we I think we do have advantage on this board because we probably have Ace King and Ace Queen and pocket aces where our opponents are unlikely to have those hands, but four ways, this is not a hand that we want to see bet. It's a bit difficult to improve. We do pick up 
equity on some turns like a seven or a jack and we can hit a nine but if we hit our nine for losing to queen jack which is probably being played in a lot of combos and um yeah four ways i don't think we want to continue with nines here yeah i think so this this hand has qualities which can make it a good multi-street bluff starting with a bet but i don't think it's quite strong enough i like this is a this is a spot where i would go ahead and start pulling the trigger with jacks with the jack of spades um because i think it's a board where we can get aces to fold by the river in a four-way pot and with jacks with the jack of spades we block a lot of the hands that will raise here as a bluff and so the raises that come through are very value heavy and easy to fold too we also can get called by worse with jacks and so if we don't if we get a really like unfavorable turn card like you know the three of hearts or something then mm. we can shut down and potentially realize some equity but yeah i yeah. like i like choosing jacks because it it performs really well along with our queen jack getting to just go off on like a nine or a king and do some bluffing on a spade or even a queen or a seven um, because we can represent jack nine as well and we block that our king jack on the queen yeah so we just have a lot of yeah a lot of uh barrel ability and buff ability with that combo and uh you play very well against raises so yeah we also block um ace jack which is going to be like one of the stronger aces that our opponents could be calling us yeah on the other hand, it's important to recognize that when a lot of Jack X combos break out, it, it doesn't make a good third barrel bluff or like three barrel bluff. It's a hand that should give up a lot. Uh, just because Ace Jack, like it is a strong Jack from a kicker perspective, but from a blocker perspective, you know, unlike the three of diamonds, four of diamonds run out, Ace of. You, Ace yeah, Jack you unlock the bluffs. Yeah. Um, and I think you'd much rather have like ace six, ace five. Yeah. Good point. But nines with the nine of spades, like you can do something similar, but what sucks is like, you never get queen jack to fold. And so if you, if you just like spike a nine, you can be second best. Like with jacks, uh, you can get king queen to fold. You can get nine, seven to fold with like a big flop bet. And obviously, like with Jax, I'm not saying like that third pot here. Um, I would say come out firing like 75 or 80%. So, something to consider. Checks through, turn is the seven of diamonds. So now we have an open-ended straight draw and third pair. We also block the nuts. We also block the nuts, which is nice. Turn, okay, so checks to hijack so we checked we did check which, okay should we talk about that decision what do you think here i think our opponents could definitely still have an ace in their range and i don't think they're 
likely to fold that ace to a bet on the turn. We have, we don't want to fold our hand because we pick up so much equity on this card. So I would, I would consider going for a check raise in a spot like this to put a lot of pressure on the ace X from the late position hands that delay on the flop and decide to go for a bet on the turn. Cause yeah, I think that puts a lot more pressure on them than just betting the turn ourselves. They kind of have an easy call if we do that. You like check raise. I like check raise or check. I think check call is also defensible. I, you know, depending on which player bets as well. Yeah. So I, here's what I like about check over bet. What I think is nice is that we get to put position back in our favor to a degree when we face a bet here. We get to see what sizing hijack or cutoff chooses. And we also get to see how the other players respond if there's a bet. You know, obviously if hijack bets, it's great because we get to see how cutoff and the straddle respond. Whereas or honestly, if if hijack checks again, that's a pretty weak range. So that's good information as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's definitely merit to checking from an information standpoint. I think the strengths of betting are that we get a lot of 10x to fold. And I think there's quite a bit of 10x still in our opponent's ranges. And I think it's really hard for King 10, Queen 10 to call. And I think even Jack-10 is kind of tough. We block 10-9, which I think is the easiest 10x that calls, or the easiest call for 10x. We we also represent, I think, more strong hands through a bet than through a check-raise. It's not to say that we shouldn't check-raise with strong hands, but I think it's kind of hard to check-raise value that's not Jack-9, just because our opponent's I think retain enough Jack nine that life gets really shitty facing a three bet with like any hand other than Jack nine. And that three maybe, bet comp- maybe, yeah, maybe pocket sevens. But still yeah. Tough. Like if, if we had, or let's say we had like a slow plate set, like yeah. sevens, aces, tens, eights. Yeah. Like I don't see why aces wants to check raise sevens. Even I, I think a check raise is like, We put a lot of pressure on an ace. I think we can get that an ace to call a reasonable amount on the turn. But I think Rivers, the ace plays not not terribly against us. And we also, like the board can get really ugly for us. And we're investing a lot of money on the turn. I think the bet line with a lot of those hands is easily better or similar. I think it's very plausible that if we like turned a set or slow played like ace king, ace queen, aces, these sorts of hands that we would just bet. And so when I'm bluffing, I often prefer to 
be in the range that contains a lot of like medium to very strong hands versus like a very, very pulled range. So I think when you get super pulled, you all of a sudden are like really tempting your opponent to just call because they know that if they have a bluff catcher, they beat your bluffs. Whereas if someone just has king 10, or king 10 is not, if someone has ace, deuce, and bets, and we check raise, they might all of a sudden say, like, well, I beat bluffs. Like, this is kind of weird. Um, yeah. Or ace, jack, let's say. So I, I would probably bet this um, on the large side, targeting 10x. And then the other thing is that, like, when we get there on the river, out of position against a better, it's kind of a weird spot. We can lead, but that kind of sucks. I think our opponent just plays well against that. Whereas when we get through a betting line, I think we can check and induce bluffs or barrel. I mean, I think both are fine. But at least I think we're more likely to induce bluffs after we bet and get there Mm -hmm. uh, than induce like bad bets on the river from our opponent. And if we decide to take the aggressive action, like if we're against like a loser opponent, then we, we know that we're going to get a chance to bet ourselves without leading on a four card straight, which is, I think a lot of opponents are going to see that as a transparent strategy. I, I guess part of the reason I don't like betting is, well, it, it depends a little bit on like, some of the metagame in terms of how often are hijack and cutoff checking an ace here. Cause if they're, if they're calling like all their suited aces, like ace 10 and lower and like checking them on the flop, they, I don't know, they have a pretty easy call on this turn and I guess we can decide if we want to try and bluff them on the river, but like, I don't think they, like, I think they're going to call on a lot of blanks and then maybe fold on when on the cards where we improve that brings the one liner to the nine. So that would be like my counter argument for like why coming out and betting. Or that's just like one of the negative factors about it. We also have the nine of spades. So we have some bearability as a bluff. I mean, I think we have spades. a lot of bearability on a bluff. On spades, yeah. yes. And also, just generally, like I think if we come out and bet like 175 and get like a tentative call and we get a very, very bricky river, and we have a strong incentive to bet again. It just, it just aligns a lot of our hands take. Like we have a lot of ace king, ace queen. Yeah. And like sets that are possible. I, th- I think it is a, a really good point about when you, when you rep a really pulled range, our opponents might be tempted to just call down with their bluff catchers because it's so narrow and it's hard to have like more value than bluffs, which is, what we're going to need on the river. Yeah. And I think like, so look at what happens here. So we check, it checks to hijack what we think is cut off. 
who bets 280. So bets pot, more or less. Is that over? Isn't pot 200? Uh, we raised, we opened to 70. So there's 280. Okay. Oh, okay. Perfect. Uh, so the pot is like 300. Okay. Striver folds. Now, like now, what do you want to do? This, this spot sucks. <laughs> this is terrible. Yeah. Yeah, this sucks. Yeah. Because he's, yeah. Like it's, when they bet small, this hand has a lot of playability. It can it can make a very plus EV call or check raise. When you face pot, it gets really weird. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what to make of this bet. So this is from like a PLO guy. Mm-hmm. And a lot of PLO players are like, they just kind of default towards like betting pot. Uh, because it's fun to say pot and, <laughs> yeah. pot and know what the pot is or have the dealer tell you what the pot is. Those are both fun. Um, so that happens a lot. So it's not surprising to see this guy like make a, make a bet that's very close to the size of the pot. Um, yeah, so that's a risk Like if we, if we don't think that like the PLO player is the type to bet on the smaller side, which is potentially a read. I mean, I don't play with like so many PLO players these days. So it, it's hard for me to say that that has any real validity, but it's something that might be a factor. Mm-hmm. What do you think this range looks like? I think, well, I think there are some bluffs in this range. Like I think Queen Jack, King Jack, King Queen could take this line like in last ultimate position, seeing everyone checking on flop and turn. So I think there are some bluffs in this range. Yeah. Um, King Jack, I, I think is yeah. a really call. I mean, both I think, of those are possible, but I, yeah. I like that because it it picks up equity here. So it's mm-hmm. a hand you can very easily slot into a turn pot size that wouldn't bet the flop. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, eight seven, and a lot of the a lot of the suited aces um, that I was kind of honing in on pocket yeah. sevens. Um, so, so maybe maybe one pair seems less likely for this size. So we think it's a lot of like. I think top pair. I think a lot of like. I think like. Ace four suited might might bet pot just because um, you know it's like a dynamic I board. It's yeah. All right, so it's, it's a dynamic board, and everyone checked twice. So I think the hands that like seem very likely are Jack nine, Ace seven, Eight seven, Seven seven. Any kind of slow played hand like Ace ten, let's say Ace eight. People get weird. I don't know why they do that, but. It can happen. I agree, King Jack, Queen Jack at some frequency. Maybe Ace Nine. Maybe like Ace X of Spades if it slow played, and then maybe some weaker Ace X, or even like Ace Jack or something that is just trying to deny and kind of buy showdown. So overall, pretty strong range, pretty pulled. What are you thinking here? Um, it's kind of tough. I think what are, let's go 
through, uh, let's go through options. Yeah. What, what do you think is the case for raise? I think the case for a raise is, well, if we raise, we would want to be confident that he would fold a decent percentage of hands now, I think. And I don't know. Yeah. Is he, if we think he's folding like the lower seated aces, uh, I think raise makes a lot more sense. I don't think this villain as described is necessarily folding those hands. Another benefit of raise is on the river. We can more confidently bet like on a Jack um, because King queen will be forced to fold if we raise on maybe we could, maybe if spades come, we can get a lot of his hands to fold. If he puts us on a flush drop, but there's still all the ace X of spade combos that could easily be in here too. Yeah. I mean, those, obviously those are like less logical of like turn pots. So we can maybe discount those a bit. Yeah, I think I think the uh, the raise there's a there's plausibility for the raise to be best. We're up against a kind of a pulled range, which suggests collar fold. But we also like a lot of that top of range are hands that like don't love getting check raised. Like seven eight not fist pumping eight seven not fist pumping. Even sevens is not fist pumping. Um, I think it's very hard to get people to fold sets, but I think you're right in that we might be able to get hands like seven, eight to fold. Now we can probably get hands like King Jack, Queen Jack to fold now. And we have river, river bearability, but let here's, I think the issue. Well, okay. Never mind. So hijack, so we're 2,700 effective, I, I assume, based mm-hmm. on... All right, so I was thinking we were 1,500 effective, which made it tough. But if we're, 1700, or so if we're 2,700 effective to start the hand, then I think we have a pretty solid... A solid line here, in my opinion, would be like check raise to 1,000 or even like 1,100 mm-hmm. and barrel on spades or when we... Uh, when we get there with a straight. Yeah. And otherwise, I think the other nice thing is like we can check raise and get called and win when it goes check, check occasionally. Like, I don't know that all of our opponents just like pile in the last 1700 with like, let's say like a busted kind of like dinky combo draw, like Jack six of spades or something. Yeah, seven, six of spades. Yeah, like even like king, jack, queen, jack of spades, king, jack with a king of spades. Mm -hmm. These sorts of hands, like do they just smash and get us to fold like nines? Like it just looks like our range is trying to bluff catch, I think. It doesn't look like we have a hand like nines that's just going to like fold the best hand a lot. Mm -hmm. So so I think there's, there's, there's merit there. I think call is also reasonable especially if we think our opponent is a little bit more pulled. Like if the range looks more like like some King Jack and then like a lot of like sets and two pair and straights, then I think we prefer just to call. I think we have enough equity 
we just have to be ready to like, if we're calling here, we're calling again on blanks, like get it through your head. Like we're not calling here to fold to a thousand on a deuce. Um, <laughs> that's not what's happening. So if, if that feels bad, then I would say fold is fine. Like if, if raised seems bad and call now call river seems bad. I think fold is fine. Yeah. I think pot with like a not great draw and a not great pair. That's not, yeah. We don't want to make this hand more than it is. Um, I think we have profitable lines where we can continue, but I also don't think that like you're making 500 bucks through your turn raise here. Uh, I'm getting, I'm getting more on board with fold. Um, and the main reason is I don't think that our opponent is very pulled here. Like I, I'm, I'm expecting some, to see some top pair hands. Yeah. But those are like, that makes me want to raise. Yeah. I think it's hard for those hands to hold on. Yeah. And we get to barrel on spades and we have equity. Yeah. And they might call down on um, when we get there, like putting us on miss spades. Yeah. And I, I think what's nice about this card is like a lot of the elevated hands still fall in the bluff catcher range when we raise. Yeah. I still like bet here. We kind Most of set our own price a bit more on we bet. I think we get a lot of the bluffing done cheaper. We get to make some nice like bet folds. We're, I mean, yeah, by the way, if we bet and we get raised, we're folding. You know, I, I think. Um, Not three bet? No. <laughs> um, and we, uh, we get to deny from tens, whereas through this line, we don't. And it really, you know, it's not the end of the world, but it kind of sucks if, like, it just checks from the river and we lose to king ten. That's a hand that we can, we should really be able to get to fold pretty easily just through a turn bet. Mm -hmm. All right. What does our, what does our hero decide? Hero calls. Okay. And I, I would say hero probably has a better read on our opponent here than we do. Um, mm -hmm. He plays in Philadelphia a lot. I don't. So whatever like classic loose passive Philly guy is, um, I guess the feeling is that we should call against that bet. And that, that can make sense because part of being loose passive means that you're not like doing this as often with thin value, which is going to lead you to be more pulled. If this guy's playing 10, 10, he's, he's, he's going to find bluffs here. It's not like he can't put in 280 with a bluff. A lot of people who are listening to this, maybe are playing mostly one, two or like one, three, maybe some two, five. And if that's you and you're thinking was passive, maybe putting in 280 with a bluff just seems crazy. But like, look, we're playing really deep here. 280 is, is not a big bet. That's uh. You know, it's 28 big blinds. So put yourself in a one two game here, seeing uh, a bet of 50, 50 bucks in this spot. That could be King Jack. Um, and it's it's even more likely at 10 10, I would say. So Hero Calls, which I think is very defensible. River is the eight of clubs. Cutoff bets 1K into 860. Cutoff? Did cutoff call? I think this is where I think we're we're flipping back to the right positions. I think we we had like a, a massive brain fart, and now it's uh, 
It is confusing. So we, yeah. So we checked River. Yeah, we checked River. We faced a thousand into eight sixty. Yeah, look, this is a mixed card in my opinion. Um, I think we should probably call. But here's the thing about this card. It gives our opponent some value on this street that maybe doesn't play this way otherwise. I think 8-7 doesn't always just like overbet the river after we call like a pot on the turn. It can, but I don't think it always does. When the 8 comes, it obviously always does. The other thing is that some of our opponent's bluffs are going to be hands like 8-9 is a possibility here. And now that hand picks up probably enough to go ahead and put in a big value bet, trying to target two pairs. Yeah, we block some of that, right? We do block some of that. So I think uh, our hand has... Well, we actually don't really block any of it. We have black nine. Okay. okay. And it's eight of clubs. Eight of clubs. Okay, never mind. So it depends on how loose our opponent's playing pre-flop. But the thing is, yeah. you know, if our opponent's playing looser and they're playing nine, eight and eight, seven, then that's not great. You know, it's like a double-edged sword. Like we get to block more, but also there's more value. So yeah, I don't mind a call, but I, I prefer call on like a deuce. And look, I, I know I said we're calling twice, but I don't think like it's such a slam dunk that if we get a card that's like kind of not great, I mean, it's not terrible, but it's not great. I don't mind folding. Like clearly if like a queen comes or like a king comes or even a jack comes, I think we just have to fold. Oh, sorry, sorry, not a jack. We're kind <laughs> of... <not a> <laughs> if a king or a queen comes, we definitely fold. Yeah, so it's... It's a small overbet, right? It's 1,000 into 8-something? Yeah, 1,000 into 860. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so I would now... One of the things that makes me like calling more now is that I don't think... I don't think any ASX is doing this. Like, maybe, maybe once in a blue moon you'll see, like, a stack here that's, like, going really thin, but it's going to be quite rare. And so, um, yeah, since we block like Jack nine, um, I, yeah, I definitely think this is a good calling candidate. And, um, yeah, a lot of like the King Jack, Queen Jack, King Queen hands, like, you know, they have no way to win. We look like we're pretty capped. And so they're going for the, um, they're going to put on like maximum pressure with this bet. So, and I, I kinda, yeah, on the river, I like call. Yeah, I would call as well. And an interesting thing to think about here is that this is, in a lot of ways, a much better bluff catcher than Ace King. The problem with Ace King is that we unblock Jack Nine and we block King Jack. So if our opponent is sufficiently polarized, it's very likely that nines is going to perform better as a bluff catcher than ace-king. Um, now, the thing that gives me pause here is, like, I, 
think a good opponent should look at a at this board with like where there's a lot of bricked out draws and also like a seven gets counterfeit and not necessarily think ace king is going to fold and therefore be pretty value heavy here so i think chris's range is pretty strong and bluff catcher oriented so we need to get a lot of bluff catchers to fold but yeah i don't i i do think this is a spot where a lot of players they're not gonna get here with king jack and give up and so i think we have a good call so like if you were in this spot you would be under bluffing this river it depends on who the opponent was. I think this yeah. is a spot where, like, you can get scared money to fold Ace King. Yeah, sure. But I think anyone who's like, someone who looks like our friend here and who's being profiled as like a possible pro, I am not pulling the trigger here. I just think it's it's just really hard to get like these these hands to fold when uh, there's just so many Broadway draws that brick. I think it's really hard. Yeah. So, um, I would be reluctant to do so. Especially if I had like a spade in my hand, uh, which a lot of my bluffs would. Like, I think those, especially just like, like if you're going to get a hand to fold, it's like ace king with the king of spades, you know? So, yeah, I would, I would be giving up quite a bit here, I think, against hero. But I think the reason. The reason his call is good is the same reason my give up is good. Yeah. It's like a leveling thing. Kind yeah. Of. It is like the leveling thing. Queen Jack. Yeah. I mean, I think Queen Jack also is like a hand that is much more incentivized to call or to continue than King Jack. Just because King Jack can occasionally just like check back and win versus Queen Jack. Um, all right. So enough of that. What the hell happened? He called. So I said if or Hero writes a little bit about what uh, what he was thinking. Yeah. The turn and river plays by both Villain and myself are all completely ridiculous. If you have me on the pod... Uh, okay. Well, sorry, Chris. We didn't have you on the pod. Uh, <laughs> I'll prepare to say a lot more about them. I think the crux of this hand is the collision of advanced, fine-grained, solver-influenced poker thinking with extremely simplistic old-school thinking. On the one hand, nines with the spade is a god-awful hand to call hero call with your with, obviously. On the other hand, I read these turn river bombs as screaming, please fold, and was compelled to do the opposite. Yeah, and I think doing the opposite is often a good... Uh, doing the opposite of what it seems like your opponent wants to do is often the right thing to do. And also, yeah. like, nines with the spade, I don't think it's a god-awful hand to hero call with here, because you block the nuts. Uh, you, you block bluffs, yes, but you also block the nuts. And I think a lot of the bluffs are in the Broadway region. And so unblocking Broadway's, I think, is very strong. So yeah, it's a mixed bag. Like nines, obviously red nines is fucking awesome here. That might be like your best bluff catcher. But black nines, I think, is, is pretty solid as well. Hero writes, I'm a little worried this is just a brag hand. But if you say it's worth a podcast, you'll find lots of people. So, all right. Cutoff showed king three of spades. All right. <laughs> Thanks for sending us this hand, and I, I realize we should have had you on the show, but here, when we when we come around to the series, we should talk about the, uh, the WSOP hand or if there's anything else that comes up in the Parks 10-10 game or anything else that seems worth sending over to the show, we'll get you on ASAP. James, uh, thank you for filling in nicely. 
in Hero's stead. Or I guess you would have been here anyway. Yeah. Um, My pleasure. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Sometimes you just got to look him in the face and calm down. (laughs) Yeah, this, yeah, this, I agree this, this sizing screams fold, but the thing to realize is that like the top of the pole, I think has the same set of emotions, which is why I don't think like this is like a, this is not like an always bluff spot for sure. The eight, seven or sevens, those hands are also like, please fold on the flop or sorry, on the turn. And then like, Oh, I have fucking full house. I guess I can win a lot of money. So, but yeah, I do think we're facing a bet that's unbalanced towards bluffs and we called, and I think that was the correct thing to do. Fantastic. All right. You heard it here. James, thank you as always for joining me and we'll see you guys uh, next week.